Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Community Alliance Church. My name is Keith Kozik, and I am the senior high youth pastor now, and I want to thank you guys for giving me that honor and that privilege of uh, giving me that position. So I want to thank you guys so much for that. Uh, Your summer of substitute teaching uh, ends next week, all right? So the real teacher, Pastor, you know, Denny will be back next week. So no more Keith Kozik, no more Bob Thomases. You got to get, you know, come to school one time next week because uh, it's all over. So uh, I need to stand. I do. So we're experiencing technical difficulties here. Uh, last Last year at this time, they gave me the second week of August. It must be something about, I don't know if they just feel like the attendance is going to be so low that they're like, we'll just put the kid up here. It's, it's like, I mean, I know it's not prime time, you know, preaching time. Thanks, Just. But they, they put the kid up here. So I like to think that really, if you were here the second week or the last week of, or the second week of August last time, that really the good looking people show up the second week of August. That's, that's what I'm going to believe in my mind. And that's, what, that's what I believe, so. Let's pray real quick, and then uh, we'll get into our lesson. God, we just want to devote this time to you. And I pray that this would awaken passion, awaken desire within us. God, you would teach us stuff, and we would be more and more and more like you. I pray this all in your precious name. Amen. I'm going to put my first slide up here, and uh, I want you to fill in the blank. If I just saw a miracle... And I had fun the last two months as I knew I was going to talk on this. And I would go around and I would ask people, what would happen if you saw a miracle? And the responses were all over the place. It would be, if I, if I just saw a miracle, then I would have more faith in God. I would know that he truly exists. If, if I just saw a miracle, then I'd, know, then I'd be able to tell everyone what God had done in my life. And it would increase my faith. It would increase my family's faith. It would increase my friend's faith. If I just saw a miracle, God, why won't you just do this miracle? And you need to know, I've prayed for miracles in my life too. God, why won't you just do this? The problem with is sometimes when we pray this way, when we ask God for a miracle, it turns into negotiating. See, the, the problem is, is we're negotiating with a person or a God that really he holds all the control. He holds all the cards in his hands. And so we're asking him for something that maybe he may have a different plan in mind. Let me, let me give you for instance. My son, Caden, my oldest son, he is the negotiator. Oh, everything is up for negotiation to Caden. We'll be at the dinner table, and he'll be sitting there eating his food, and then he'll look at me almost every day. Dad, how many more bites do I have to take? And so I'll look at the food, you know, and you do your best dad guesstimate. You're looking at it. Eh, ten. How about five? I mean, like right off the bat. He's trying to negotiate. I'm like, no, Caden. How about ten? How about six? No, ten. Or, for instance, if we're going to bed or if he's having lots of fun, if he's playing his video games, Caden, it's time to shut that up. How about two more minutes? No, Caden. I need you to do it now. And the reason why I, I want him to stop that and I, I don't want to negotiate with him is why? Because I have a greater picture in mind. If I let him just eat whatever he wants and as much as he wants, three minutes later he's going to be in the snack cupboard going, I'm hungry. I'm hungrier. Or if I let him stay up as late as he wants, what's going to happen? He's going to be tired. 
And so I have a greater picture in mind that, wait, I can't just give you whatever you want all the time. Because why? Because I have a better plan. And so sometimes when we're asking God for negotiating with God over miracles, we fail to recognize that, wait a second, maybe he has a better plan. And you may be skeptical over this, and you may be, I I don't know what you're saying here, Keith. I'm not quite sure. Why doesn't God just, you know, (laughs) do what we want? Well, I'm going to show you a group of people where God did a ton of things for them, but it didn't really work out the way that I I thought it was going to work out, or even I think how God thought it was going to. So we're in Exodus chapter 32, if you want to pull out your Bibles. And while you're doing that, I'm going to give you a quick recap of the book of Exodus. Exodus 32 is where we're going to end up. The book of Exodus is all about the Israelites exiting Egypt. Just like we have an exit sign, the Exodus, that's what it's all about. Moses bringing the Israelites, up out of Egypt. And God had heard their cries. They had been slaves for 400 years. And God says, you know what? I've heard their cries. I am going to set them free. So God would go before, I'm sorry, so Moses goes before Pharaoh, and he goes before him, and he says, you need to let my people go. And he starts performing these plagues. And go ahead and bring the plagues up here. Moses performs these plagues, the plagues of blood, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the plague of the firstborn. And all of these plagues, maybe miraculous plagues, start striking the Egyptian people over and over and over. And it happens over and all these other plagues. And Moses would go to them, go to Pharaoh and say, look, this is what's going to happen next. And then it would happen. And it says that God made Moses like a god to Pharaoh. And so he starts performing all of these plagues, except in one place, in Goshen. In Goshen, that's where all the Israelites lived. And none of the plagues would strike there. And so the Israelites certainly knew all these plagues that were happening, and they're seeing them, and they're going, man, something has to be going on here. Well, then eventually, that's what happens, is that Pharaoh lets them go. And as he lets them go, I want to bring up what I believe to be seven more miracles that happen. That's the, the miracle of the pillar of the cloud of fire. God provides a GPS for them when they are leaving Egypt. It's this huge cloud that they can follow by day, and at night it turns on fire. And so they can follow it by day or by night. The parting of the Red Sea. They come to the Red Sea, and many of you know this story. As they come up, though God blows the wind back, shh. And the Israelites cross, then the Egyptians follow up behind, and what happens? God takes them out. Again, a miraculous sign. The sweetening of bitter water. They came to a a place where they uh, they needed drinking water, and the water they tasted was bitter, and so they threw a stick in that God told them to, and then the water was magically, I don't say magically, miraculously, then they were able to drink it. The next one is quail. God would provide quail for them to eat. He would provide manna for them to eat every morning. Another miracle that God would perform is Moses would go up to a rock and hit it with his staff and water would come gushing out. And the last one is the battle of the Amalekites where they should have lost and (laughs) they were way outnumbered. But God, as long as Moses had his hands up towards heaven, they won the battle. Now that was 
That was a lot of miracles. That was a lot of plagues. That was a lot of things that God did for these people. And you would think, wow, God did all these great things. These people must have incredible faith in him. And if you read ahead in Exodus 32, that's not necessarily the case. So we're in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And so this is how the conversation really goes. And Aaron is Moses' brother. And they go to Aaron, who Moses has left in charge. Hey, Aaron, where's your brother? Well, Moses is up on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments from God. You talk about a spiritual high. He's up there, and he's one-on-one with God, and God is giving him the Ten Commandments. And, And he's having an unbelievable spiritual experience. And what's going on? His people are starting to rebel. Verse 2 through 4. Aaron answered them, Take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So that all the people took off their earrings, and they brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fastening it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who have brought you up out of Egypt. What? You read this, and it's like, are you serious? How could this be? They saw all these miracles. They saw all the plagues. And what happens? Moses is up on this mountain for 40 days, and what do they do? They turn their backs on God. And maybe you're sitting there, and you're saying, no, no, no. If I saw all those miracles, there's no way I'd do that. There's no way. These people, how could they do this? This just doesn't make sense. Or maybe it does. Because I think that sometimes we think miracles, they're just going to plug everything. It, just, it would make a stopgap in everything, and it would just be like the spiritual fairy tale. I saw these miracles, and I lived spiritually happily ever after. If I just saw all this stuff, God, if I just saw these miracles, then I know everything, and I would just have more faith in you. And yet these people saw all these miracles and what? They turned their back on them. Maybe it was just that group of people. But what about the disciples? I mean, who saw more miracles than the disciples? They saw the feeding of the 5,000. They saw dead people raised to life. And yet when Christ dies on the cross, where are they? Where are any of them? They're nowhere to be found. I want you to listen really good because this is, this is the reason why this fish tank is here. I know you've been all wondering that. <laughs> I want to tell you something, and I know it's true in my own life, is that our faith leaks. Our faith leaks, and I, I want to move this so everyone can see the illustration. See, some of you, you're here today, and you're going to listen to my lesson. You're going to like, oh, that kid's kind of funny or whatever, funny looking, whatever, whatever you want to think. <laughs> and before you hit the parking lot, whatever I said to you, it's just going to be gone. 
And you might even come back next week, and you're like, okay, I'll come back next week. But really, you have no plan to really implement what I'm going to say to you. And others of you, you, you really want to do what I'm going to say to you. And you, you like listen to Pastor Denny, and maybe you even listen to Caleb, and you're like, that makes sense. But come Tuesday or Wednesday, you're like, oh, man, I totally forgot all about that. I wasn't going to do that anymore. I, I, I wasn't going to say that anymore. And so it just leaks out of you. Others of you, are, are, many of you are here, you're, you're like a spiritual mentor to me, and you've said some great things to me spiritually have encouraged me in so many ways. And, you, and, and you'll start to drain and you'll come back next week and then you kind of get filled up again and you'll, you'll read your Bible during the week and then when you start feeling, and then you fill up again. And, and the point that I want to make about all three of these isn't that necessarily you have to be this person. I mean, obviously that ultimately is what you want. But all three of these people, they leak. They leak spiritually. I leak spiritually. I have to go to God and say, God, I need you to fill me. Because if not, eventually I'm going to be on empty. I need you to come to me, God, and, and you fill me and help me draw closer to you. I need you, God, because I leak. And, and I, I want to be real honest with you. There's a prideful side of me. There's an arrogant side of me. Maybe it's the fact that I'm a male. Maybe it's that I'm an American or that I want to do things myself. But there's just this part of me that I hate the fact that I need God. I do. There's a... Oh. I hate the fact that I need anything other than me. I do, because I want to rely on myself, because you know why? I won't let myself down. I, I truly believe that there's an arrogance about me, and a lot I think about a lot of people is that I hate to rely on anything, because it's going to let me down. And yet, I know this for a fact, and if you're honest with yourself, you know you leak spiritually, and that you need to go to God and say, God, I need you. Let me put it to you this way. Do you hate breathing? Nope. You need it. Do you hate eating? No, most of us like eating. I like it a little bit too much sometimes. But I need it. We need God. If not, you end up feeling empty. You need God. I need God in my life. Let's take a look at a guy that I think really understood this the best. Verse 5. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. And somewhere, I think, common sense kicked in for Aaron. Because they have this golden calf that they're all worshiping. And he's like, what have I done? Because he says, we're going to have a festival to the Lord. And so he builds an altar in front. 
And this would be a sermon for another day, but he's trying to walk in two worlds. He's trying to have his altar and his God and live in them both. And you can't do that. Verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down. Because your people whom you brought out of Egypt, they have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I have commanded them and have made themselves an idol in the, in, in the cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and have sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, verse 9, the Lord said to Moses. They are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that, I might my, so that my anger may burn against them, and I will destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. See, some of you hear that verse, and you're like, oh my gosh, God was going to destroy them? God, how could a loving God do that? And I read this verse, and it means a lot to me. And I'll tell you why. Because it tells you a lot about God. See, God isn't just this God that started the universe, put it into motion, and just took his hands off and said, hey, whatever happens, happens. Whatever happens, I, I don't really care. It's just the world's spinning. Where's God? He doesn't care about anything. No. This paints the human side of God. That what? He wills things to happen. He has emotion. He has feelings. He cares. He genuinely cares when you don't do the right thing. It shows how loving he is. Like, you're, like your parent. Like you're a parent. When your kids don't do the right thing, you're like, no, why would you do this? It shows that he has emotions and that he cares. It makes him a being, a human, rational, way godly being. And you go, he's just not, he's not someone who doesn't care. He does. He loves you. And he says, Let me, I may destroy them and I will make you into a great nation. And he says, Moses, let's start over. Let's start over, and I'll make you into a great nation. Well, let me tell you something. If God comes to you or comes to me, and he says, listen, let's start over. Let's start over. I want to start over, and I want to make you into a great nation. That's pretty tempting, isn't it? Isn't that like, man. I mean, seriously, if God came to me and said, like, listen, I want to make you into a great nation. He'd be like, yeah, deal, Howie. I'm taking that <laughs> nine times out of ten. Who wouldn't want to be made into a great nation? And yet, look at the response of Moses here. This is how he responds in verse 11. But Moses sought the favor, I'm sorry, sorry the favor of his God, and he said, Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against these people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains as to wipe them off the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore to it by yourself, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give your descendants all the land I promised to them, and that it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. And what's Moses say? He says, no, you can't do that. You can't do this. 
you can't do it. No, no, no. This was the plan that you had. And your plan from the beginning was the best plan, God. This is the guy who is, it's going to benefit him the most. And he says, no, God, I want your plan that you had from the beginning because that's the best plan. I don't care if this is going to benefit me. I want what you want, God. See, Moses, he got it. He leaped. And he's saying, God, I just want what you want. I don't, I don't need to see miracles. I mean, this is the guy performing all the miracles and the plagues. And he's saying, God, I just want what you want. And really, when you live your life that way, when you're spiritual that way, when you're just saying, God, I just want what you want, that's when your cup overflows. Because you're simple and you're just saying, God, I just want that. It's not about negotiating. It's not about what God can do for you. It's just, God, I, I want what you want. That's when you feel the most spiritually satisfied in your life. That's when you grow the most spiritually. When you just want what, what God wants. Turn over to chapter 33. I'll give you a sec. We're going to start in verse 13. It's going to show you more about why I love Moses. Check it out. This is what he says to, this is what he says to God. He says, verse 13, If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I will know you and continue to find favor with you. This is the guy who's performed all these plagues, these miracles. He's done so much. And what's he saying to God? Teach me. Teach me. I need you. I need you. Teach me. I'd love to think I would be that humble if I, could, if I was performing all these miracles and done all this stuff. And God had called me up on Mount Sinai and gave me the Ten Commandments. And what's he say? I want more of you, God. That's all I want. I just want more of you. I want your plan, God. He's not asking for miracles. He's not negotiating with God. He's just saying, God, I want more of you. I want it more than anything else. Remember that this, is, that this nation is your people. Verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. No, he's not talking about I'm going to let you fall asleep at night. No, no, no. He's going to give you peace. God's saying, I'm going to give you peace, Moses. I'm going to let you overflow. Because why? Because you want me. Verse 15, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Verse 18, this is the one you need to highlight, spit on, star, whatever you do because <laughs> this is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Then the Lord, then Moses said, now show me your glory. He's already seen his glory. He's the one performing the miracles. He's the one that's doing so much spiritually. What's he say, God? I just want more of you. He's not saying, I want more miracles. God, if you just do this, I'd have more faith in you. Or he's not going, oh, he's just saying, God, I want more of you. You come and fill me up. But what about you? 
When's the last time you went to God? God, I just want you. I just need you, God. Not, not what I think I need. Or you, you come with him with your list or, your, or whatever. You, you have your, your, your secret desires. When's the last time you just came to God and said, God, I just want you? Because that's what Moses does. I just want you, God. Think about it. That's how you want your spouse to love you. <laughs> In spite of all your faults and your flaws, just love me for me. God's no different. He wants you to desire him, to seek him. I'm going to close with this final story. Three years ago, I went to the Dominican Republic, and we were in a, uh, a poor town, as always, and we were at this church. And as we were at this church, uh, doing VBS, Vacation Bible School, every day. We do the puppet things, and the kids get all excited. There was this blind, mute boy that would come every day. He would come every day, and he would just sit there. And, and being a cripple in a third-world country, it, it's, it's terrible. I mean, they treat them awful. But there was this blind, mute boy. He would come like an hour early because that's what the kids do, and he'd just sit there, and the music would be playing, and he'd just sit there, and he'd clap. And I would just look at him, and his, honestly, his face just radiated. He just had such joy. And I, I can't explain it. It was a, just a joy from the Lord that I, he just radiated. He was just, and you were just drawn to it. And I would go, and I would sit beside him. And he would sit there, and he would take his hands, because he, he was blind, he would rub his hands all over my face. He'd stick his hands in my mouth. Don't tell my wife that. She's a germaphobe. She'll never kiss me again because God knows where those fingers have been. And he would just sit there, and I would go, and I'd just sit with him. The next day, I'd sit with him. Well, about the third day, I started getting this idea. What if God would heal him? What if God would heal him? And so I, I'd go up to him, and i put my arm around him, and i start praying. You know, I start using the college seminary words, you know, every big word I can think of. God, you're awesome. And I'm just, I'm going for it. I'm getting my heart into it. I'm like, God, if you'd heal this boy, think of what it would do for this village. God, think about what it would do for this church. What about my youth group? If they saw someone miraculously healed, how awesome would that be, God? Come on, God, you can do this. And I'm praying, I'm praying right in the middle of my prayer. God spoke to my heart. He said, if I healed him, he'd realize everything he isn't. And I was like, what? If, if I healed him, he'd realize everything he wasn't. So I left. I, I literally got up in the middle of praying, and I went outside. I'm like, what, what does God mean by that? So I started to think about it. If I healed him, he'd realize everything he wasn't. And then I started thinking some smart thoughts that I'm probably not smart enough to think. <laughs> this boy, this crippled boy in his weakness, had way more joy than I've ever had in my life. I got cars. I got a family. I live in America. I can do whatever I want. And yet I didn't have the joy that this boy had had. I needed to become more like him. He didn't need to be able to see. 
He didn't need to be able to speak. That boy in his weakness was teaching me about myself that I need to be more like him, not him be more like me. And that's what God does. When I start to negotiate with saying, God, you can heal this boy, you can do that, God says, no, 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 no. What you view as weakness, I'm using it as a strength for you to teach you something. You just need to trust me. I had to learn that lesson. And what it did then was made me realize that I just need God. I don't need to know his plan all the time. I got to have faith. And when I have faith in him and I simplify my life, that's when my life goes pretty good. But whenever I ask for miracles and I start going, God, you could do this and faith and that and God, why don't you do this or you know what it ends up leading me? To be spiritually empty. But when I'm like Moses and I just go, God, teach me. Teach me. Show me your glory. Please, I just need you. God, I, I need you. That's when God does the most work in my life. That's when God does a miracle within me and changes me to be more like him. I want you guys to bow your heads. I want to make this 100% abundantly clear to you. Does God still work miracles? I believe that without a doubt. Does God still answer prayer? Absolutely. He listens to me and he listens to you when you pray. But sometimes he has a different plan. And the best thing we can do is to be like Moses and say, God, I, I just want you. I want you more than anything else. And so that's my challenge to you today. Is that the more that you want God, the more the holes <laughs> in your picture they get filled. And the more you hold God in your life, the more people see God in your life. So that's my challenge for you this week, to spend 15, 20 minutes with God every day. No one ever regrets it. No one's ever like, man, I spent 15 minutes with God, 20 minutes, is the biggest waste of my life. <laughs> no one ever says that. You go, man, I feel filled. <laughs> I feel more filled in my picture. And that's how God wants you to feel. But just want him. Just want him for him. Don't just, don't, uh, don't have your list of I need this, I need this, God, and just do this miracle. No, just say, God, I want to love you for you. Simplify me. Show me your glory. And it will change your life. Let's close in one final prayer. God, you're so good to us. Thank you so much. Make me simple. God, we all leak, every single one of us in here, and we all need you. Help us not to, to be prideful, arrogant, whatever it is, but help us to just accept that and say, God, I, I need you. Oh, I need you. 
That's what our hearts cry, and that's what our spirits cry anyways. Let us be a people filled by you for you. And I pray this all in your precious name. Amen. God bless.